I also feel awkward being right here. It just doesn't seem very appropriate, but whatever. <laughs> um, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Um, so I guess we'll get started. Is everyone ready? <laughs> is it? Is that okay? <laughs> you know how I feel about this, huh? Okay. Okay, so let's go. So, <laughs> happy Mother's Day. I promise I'm going to keep this sweet and short and just get everyone so everyone can enjoy their Mother's Day. Um, and so I'll be done, and, um, and you guys can move on and celebrate your mothers and each other. Um, so uh, when Peter asked me to do this, I was a little bit hesitant um, for a couple reasons. One is because I wanted a break. And uh, two, because it felt kind of weird talking about motherhood, um, being in the middle of motherhood. Um, It almost seems like it should be like an out-of-body experience, like you need to be removed from it to be able to look down on it and actually contemplate what's happening. Um, So I guess bear with me as I kind of talk through this and we go through it together, um, what motherhood is, and specifically what is... Um, Orthodox motherhood or Christian motherhood um, as we see it and kind of not what our expectations are but um, more like what we've been asked as mothers to do. Um, So this talk in particular I think applies to everyone in this room, mother or not, because in some capacity we care for others, whether it's elderly parents, whether it's children, whether it's loved ones, nieces, nephews, whatever it is. I think this could apply to you fathers, anyone, this could apply. Um, And I think because of that, um, and knowing that, we have to support each other and bring each other up. Uh, Motherhood calls us to nurture and to um, support the growth and development of a young person. When I say motherhood, um, what kind of feelings, I'm going to ask you guys for your input, what kinds of feelings are evoked in you when I say motherhood? Responsibility, sacrifices, frustration, strength, love, patience, what else? Anything else? Mark? Fierce protection, protection, gentleness, fatigue, (laughs) long suffering, okay, joy, anxiety, fear, frustration. Um, I think extreme emotions are really, can very easily be used to describe motherhood. And all of those emotions can happen in one single moment. (laughs) Like, you can just be a walking time bomb at any time being a mother. You can be really, really happy and really, really frustrated all at the same time. And I think that could be very hard for other people to understand. Um, But it is possible. Um, So, as a mother, holding your child for the very first time, um, firstborn, first child, 
understanding the vulnerability of this child, you kind of want to hold on to them forever, right? You want to just cherish them, hold them, you want to keep them from any and every single harm that could come before them. You kind of want to bubble wrap the entire world. Like if you could, you would do it. It is emotionally exhausting, it is physically exhausting, it is mentally draining, it is everything that it could possibly be all at the same time, and then you're responsible for this teeny tiny little person that God has given you and given us and entrusted us with. As Orthodox mothers, our jobs are to hand God our children's hand. That's our job. It's really simple, at least in theory, right? You just give God your kid's hand and you say, here, this is yours, you take care of him, or her, or whatever. Um, although we want our children, I think, to be successful in a world that sets, maybe has different standards than we do, or different roles, or different, um, sorry, I'm a little anxious, <laughs> um, a little, our children grow up in this world that has different expectations, maybe, than the rest of us might have for our children, right? We want our children to be wonderful, successful, God-fearing people. The world doesn't see that. You know, the world will define success as someone who is, um, you know, driving a certain car, living in a certain neighborhood, wearing certain clothing, saying certain things. But to God, it's very simple that our responsibility goes to him. Our children go to him. Just that simple. Um, although we may want our children to be successful according to the terms of society, receiving excellent educations, top-paying jobs, living an even more comfortable lifestyle than we do, as Christian mothers, parents, First and foremost, it's our responsibility to teach them and share with them the gift of God. If we don't, then we've failed. And I say that with so much fear, but I think it's so true. You know, we can raise these really successful human beings, but if we don't give them God, then we're kind of, we failed. Um, when we baptize our children, we're given instructions, and it's really hard for me to read them out loud, so I'm going to have Mark read them. <laughs> I need to put on my Giddu glasses. <clears throat> God will ask you to answer for them if you neglected them and did not discipline them or dissuade them from ungodly behavior. Teach them to read the holy books, which are the breath of God, and to go to church morning and evening. Teach them to fast Wednesdays and Fridays, the holy 40 days of Lent, and to observe all the fasts and laws of the church and the apostolic orders. Protect your children and do not allow them to go to the places where evil dwells so that God may safeguard them from satanic temptations. <clears throat> from this day, you are responsible for their acts and deeds and have guaranteed them by Christ the Master a true guarantee 
<coughs> Sorry. To give an answer for them on, on the judgment day. Work diligently to educate them in a gracious and polite manner, and that you may be duly proud of them. Bring them up on a firm base of righteousness. Prohibit them from going astray and from association with the bad, the debauched, and the evil people. Nurse them in spiritual teachings and teach them in the fear of God and His revered commands. Establish them through discipline and spiritual exercises. Do not be negligent as irresponsible guards, but rather lend your ears to His words to you. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over few things. I will make you ruler over many things. That's tough. Okay, so um, we're going to go from there. That was just a reminder for all of us who are parents in this room. Um, those are the, that's the commandment that Abuna reads to us. And I think when we're baptizing a baby, I don't think we listen to it. Like, we don't hear it. Like, we're so wrapped up in, like, oh, the excitement of the baby, and our family is here, and what outfit are they going to, or we got to put their outfit on, or I got to make sure their diaper is clean before Abuna takes it off, or whatever. You know, you just got to, it's, there's so much going on. You don't pay attention to these words. And I think if you guys have a chance, and if you're a parent, and you've baptized your children, I think it would be nice to just go back, look this up. You can find it on the internet. It's everywhere. Just look it up, read it, kind of think about it, and just see, like, you know, this is what I'm doing really well. This is maybe where I need to correct a little bit. And I think at any age of, you know, parenting, no matter what, like, we can all do some correcting and tweaking in what we do. Um, and just to remind ourselves what we've promised. Um, so how do we do this? How do we try to even get close to these expectations um, that the church is asking us to meet. Um, the only thing I could come up with, honestly, is prayer. Just showing up to God and being like, look, this is the little person you gave me. I can do nothing else but give him back to you or give her back to you because I'm at a loss or I don't know what to do or they're just too precious for me to try to mess up. And God knows we can do that. <laughs> Um, so there's, there's a book I know um, a lot of us were sharing it uh, in the past it's called The Ascetic Life of Mothers I don't know if any of you guys have read it or heard of it um, but it's by this great author her name is Annalisa Boyd um, she wrote this book basically it's contemplations there's prayers in it there's um, just She's, she's just a mother writing and praying for her children. And I think she has like, I want to say 10 children. I think she's adopted some and has some biologically. So she knows what she talk, when she's talking about when she comes to motherhood. Um, so she, she uses the word ascetic life of mothers because motherhood could be and can be very ascetic, right? It can be very um, isolated. But at the same time, it could also be very spiritual in that same way. Um, saintly mothers who raise saints have been known to live lives of prayer. To be a mother is to understand what unceasing prayer can look like. And I think if you're a mom, you know where I'm coming from, right? Because there is, 
At any given moment, there is something in your mind, in the back of your mind, something's going on with your kids. Like you're thinking about your children, whether it's conscious or subconscious. You're thinking, how am I going to do, how am I going to help this one with, you know, their homework today or whatever? How am I going to get this one where they need to go today? Or how am I going to make sure this one doesn't hurt herself when she is cartwheeling her way through the world? Or whatever it is, you know, like whatever it may be, you may be thinking. Now imagine if we took those thoughts and we turned them into prayers, right? So in my mind, I'm constantly thinking. I'm just going to read to you what I wrote because that way I won't mess it up. Um, so for me, for example, for our children, what does Catherine need today? How can I help her see her worth? Where does Amelia need to go after school? How do I get Anastasia to calmly express her frustrations, etc.? Anna, go on and whatever. If I turn those into prayers, now it sounds like, Lord, help me to see Catherine's needs today. Help her to understand she's the daughter of the Most High King. Lord, protect Amelia as she plays her game today. Keep her safe and free from injury. Lord, help me to be patient and lead Anna as she navigates the world around her in peace. So you see how the anxiety changes to prayer. It's no longer fear-driven. It's now, okay, God, I trust you, and I, I, I know that you have them. They're your priority. Um, motherhood is hard, it's fun, it's exhausting, it's joyful. It brings a type of contentment that I, don't, I can't imagine anything else in the world can. Um, it challenges us to be better. And some days are easy and wonderful, and other days we just can't wait for them to be over. Um, but I think I find peace in knowing that no one knows my child like God. Like, I think as parents, and this is maybe something everyone can relate to, sometimes there's this, like, desperation to, like, explain how wonderful your child is to someone. I don't know if anyone's ever come across this, right? So, like, you know how awesome your kid is. Like, each of us knows how wonderful our kid is. And I think when we're trying to explain that to someone, it comes off as, like, my kid is just the best thing on the planet, like, since ice cream. Like, there's just nothing better ever in this world. But with God, I don't have to explain that. You know, we don't have to explain that because he knows us. You know, this is going to, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but it's like, you know, the verse, um, he, uh, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were saved. You know, Jeremiah, everyone knows this isn't, this isn't like, you know, Bible study, anything. Um, a lot of people use it to, to, um, to, uh, um, to fight abortion or whatever. But I think for us as parents, we can use it to just really understand that God knows, like big fat K-N-O-W, knows our children, you know? Nothing, like no one knows them more than him. No one sees them more than him. No one sees us more than him, right? And, they, and he knows how wonderful they are and how precious they are. Um, and I think because of that, there is such a relief in, in, that, you, that can be found in the moments that we lift them up to God. Um, sorry. Um, 
so when Peter asked me to do this, he said, can you um, throw in some like saints uh, into the, <laughs> the mix? I was like, yeah, I think I can manage. Um, so Marchi gave a really great talk about St. Mary this morning that I'm just not going to even try to come close to. Um, uh, uh, but uh, obviously St. Mary, the mother of God, is the first mother that any of us can think of. Um, but I will read you a quote. Um, St. Seraphim the Russian Orthodox, of the Russian Orthodox Church um, says about St. Mary, he says, Silent among the noisy world, she meekly and humbly watched the gospel events from the crowd of people that accompanied Christ and laid up everything in her heart. Just in the silence of her heart, she saw it all. Um, so there's a bunch of other mothers um, and in our church, and we have a very rich church with lots of saints, so we're really lucky. Um, and a lot of them are mothers, whether or not, you know, you, we may or may not know that. So St. Nona of Nazianzus, the mother of St. Gregory of, of Nazianzus, so um, he wrote about his mother a lot. And it was almost like he was always watching, like a kid always watching his mom. But he's a saint, too, you know. Um, so he writes, What time or place for prayer ever escaped her? This was the first thought of her day. Rather, who had more confidence in gaining a petition as soon as it was made? She trusted that God would hear and answer her prayers and everything that she did. And he saw that, like as her child, as a man who became a saint, as a child, a baby who became a saint, he saw what his mother did daily. He watched, just like our children watch. And I know it, there's evidence of them watching, especially when, they start, when you start seeing like your mannerisms in them or phrases you say in them, and you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. You know, like things like that. You, you see them, and they see you. Um, Saint Amelia, the mother of saints, this is the one our Amelia is named after. Um, so she's known as the mother of saints because those are four of her children back there. Saint Macrina, Saint Basil, Saint Peter, and Saint Gregory. The one that's not pictured is um, Theosebia, the deaconess. She was the mother of ten children and five of them became saints. I'm going to say she's a winner. Um, so after she was widowed, just briefly, um, after she was widowed um, and her eldest son died, um, she lived in a convent with Macrina. So Macrina is known to have been like, like the big sister and she was like the educator to the brothers, which, you know, give her some credit. Um, uh, so St. Amelia and St. Macrina moved into a convent together and on her deathbed, St. Amelia, uh, St. Macrina, and St. Peter, the other brother, the youngest brother, were there. Um, to, she says, To you, O Lord, I give the first fruit and the tithe of the, of the fruit of my womb. The first fruit is my firstborn daughter, and the tithe is my youngest son. Let these be for you a rightly acceptable sacrifice, and let your holiness descend upon them. What a prayer. Um, okay, and then there's St. Monica, the mother of St. Augustine. Um, this woman was a woman of prayer. Like, she was relentless when it came to praying for her family. 
First she prays for her husband for 30 years, and then she keeps praying for her son for an additional 12 years or whatever it was. St. Augustine finally becomes Christian at the age of 28, and well, he becomes St. Augustine. Um, And then he says, it is impossible that the son of so many tears would perish. That's what his mother's prayers did. They saved him, and he says that. Um, St. Helen, mother of Constantine, she famously found the cross. Um, So she became Christian at 63, 63 years old. Constantine asked her to go find the cross somewhere between the age of 63 and 80. That's when she went to Jerusalem to go find the cross. Um, so this is, the, this, is, this is not a young woman, but she still went. And she, her dedication to her son and to her faith pushed her to do that. Um, St. Sophia, the mother of... So this St. Sophia is kind of... I don't, I don't know. St. Sophia is just kind of amazing. So she is the mother of three daughters, Faith, Hope, and Love or the names of her children. I, I used to think we had an icon of her, but I guess I'm wrong. I can't find it. I don't know. Um, so St. Sophia, her children, her three daughters, were 12, 10, and 9 years old. Keep that in mind as I tell you this story. Um, she raised them to be Christian children, and she raised them, I mean, I don't know any... I don't know any 12, 10, or 9-year-olds who would stand before um, an emperor and in the middle of, um, you know, being threatened would be, insist on remaining the faithful and um, commit to their faith and praise God as they do it and then take on their mom's encouragement to become martyred as their mom watched. So Marchi this morning mentioned... Um, you know, St. Mary watching Jesus die on the cross and what that was like and that suffering that she must have endured, right? So St. Sophia watched her three daughters tortured, beheaded, and I think some accounts say, so I don't know, some accounts I've read say they were beheaded on her lap. Others say, you know, they were beheaded wherever beheadings happened. And then, um, which I can't even, like, begin to fat, fat, like, I can't imagine, right? So the emperor, because he was cruel, he was just cruel. He was cruel. He had her take the, the, the bodies of the girls to bury them. She stayed with them three days, and then after the third day, she died. I guess you can't be really surprised. Um, and I, she also, so I don't understand, like, I don't know how this works, but... Um, she also, in some, I think one of the accounts I read is she also received a crown of martyrdom. Not a physical martyrdom, but like a, like a, like a spiritual martyrdom, like because she saw her children suffer the way that they did. That was St. Sophia. Um, and then there's St. Anthusa. She's the mother of St. John Chrysostom. So I'm going to, sorry, Chrysostom. Um, uh, uh, I'm going to read to you a, St. John Chrysostom, when he wrote about her, he wrote, Prayer is a great weapon, a rich treasure, a wealth that is never exhausted, an undisturbed refuge, a cause of tranquility, the root of a multitude of blessings and their source. 
Um, each of us, mother or not, has a calling to embrace Christ, the life of Christ. Um, we are not forced to submit or coerced to, into obedience. We are presented with a question. We are each asked if we are willing to follow him, and he leaves us to answer. And that little bit um, is taken from uh, Annalisa Boyd, and she's the author of Ascetic Mothers. I think she has a blog or something um, that if you guys want to follow. But we're each given the opportunity to follow as we, you know, to follow. And I think in motherhood or in parenthood, one of the ways we can do that is by offering our children first and foremost to God and making them, making our prayers a sacrifice for them, you know, that God will accept them. And that's it. Um, I, I'm sure you guys have thoughts. I'm sure you guys have wisdom to share. Yeah, please. I don't have... Any questions from the I mothers? Don't know. <laughs> I think there's lots of mothers that can answer questions in this room. <laughs> okay, I guess we're good. we're good. Thank you, Jeannie. Thank you. We're going to stand up for prayer now. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Make us worthy to say with all thanksgiving, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed. And will be done on earth as it is. Give us day our daily bread. Give us our trespasses. 